0: Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host, and I'm very happy to be with you again today. Thank you for joining in. Please enjoy this uh, Bible Study together with our panel. I would like to welcome today Ken. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Nick. It's wonderful to be here and a privilege to be here with the team. Brenton, it's so good to have you with us also.
1: It's wonderful to be on Um this panel, uh, Nick, and today's subject, remember, do not forget, I think is a very important one. We're looking forward to sharing it together.
0: Joe, it's good to have you with us.
2: Thank you, Nick. Always great to be here.
0: And Len, thank you for joining the panel too. Thank you for your welcome, Nick. And hello, listeners. Lija, thank you for being part of this.
3: Very glad to be part of the Bible study again. Praise the Lord for that.
0: And Will, you are the facilitator, Will, and thank you for joining us. Please take us through.
4: Thank you, Nick. Recollections of God's goodness to us uh, and his grace are a most important part of our, uh, of our uh, Christian walk. You know, God sends reminders to us through his word. Something that permeates the whole Bible are the words remember, do not forget. We find God encouraging his people to cast their minds back to all the things that he has done for them, to remember his grace for them and his goodness toward them. And so much of the Old Testament, including the book of Deuteronomy, consists of the prophets telling the people, the Hebrew people, do not forget what the Lord has done for, for you. But also, most importantly, they were not to forget what their calling in him was and what kind of people they were to be. In response to that calling, God was soliciting a response like like that of the psalmist in Psalm 77, verse 11, where he says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. And so I'd like to ask, what about us now? Is it any difference for us, different for us today, both at the corporate level and even more so at personal level, I propose it's easy to forget what God has done for us too. And so this week, in our overview of the book of Deuteronomy, we'd like to look at one vitally important principle, the admonition of recalling and not forgetting God's interaction in our lives. But I think we need to pray first. Ken, would you pray for us, please?
5: Totally. Heavenly Father, As we come together again to study your word, we ask that the Holy Spirit will guide us through all that is said. Lord, we pray for all those that are listening, that they may find hope, peace, love, and understanding in the words spoken to us from the Bible. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.
4: Thank you, Ken. As we have mentioned uh, in our, our study today, we'll focus on God's appeal to us to remember, yes, never forget what he has done to set us free from slavery. The first time the word remember appears in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 9, after a cataclysmic event. And I wonder if you could take us back to what had happened, Len.
6: All right, well, I'll keep the mystery for a little while. And I'll read from Genesis chapter 9, which says, starting at verse 8, Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons, with him, saying, As for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, never again. Shall there be a flood to destroy the earth? Now, I know some people in New South Wales and Queensland are having floods at the moment, but this is talking about a worldwide flood. Never again, God said, will there be a worldwide flood. Picking it up at verse 12. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. That means for all time. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that's upon the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all the flesh that's on the earth. Well, I don't know. I think at this stage, listeners, you would realize that God set a uh, covenant with a visible emblem to reaffirm that this is what he would not do, he would remember. But, you know, I find it rather disappointing and probably dismaying that the LGBTQI plus community has picked up the rainbow and used that as their insignia. From what I read in the scriptures, particularly from the book of Leviticus, a lot of what goes on in the LGBTQI community is not approved of by God, and yet they've taken this, which is a sign of God's promise, his sacred promise, that he never again would cause a worldwide flood. And they've used this for their insignia, and it seems very much to me a tool that's used by Satan to take something that God has made as sacred and corrupt it. Nevertheless, each time the rainbow appears, when we look up in the sky we can remember not only God's judgment on the world back in the time when the flood did come, but also his love for the world, in the fact that he would said he would never ever Cause another worldwide flood. Now, that doesn't mean to say that the world will not be cleansed at some future time because we read in Revelation that God will cause a lake of fire. But that's another subject which we won't go into right now.
1: I would agree um, with what Len has said, uh, Will. However, there's some other points I think that are important to remember. When Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives left the ark, I think it would be fair to say that when God uh, spoke to them and uh, made his covenant with them, primarily what they would have been looking for at that time was safety and security. So the basis of this covenant really is God saying, as Len has quite adequately said, uh, God is saying to them, I will never destroy the world again by flood. Now, if we were to stop and think for just a minute of what it must have been like to come out of an ark into a world that didn't even resemble the world that they had lived in before the flood, there would have been minimum vegetation growing. There may have been signs of trees or plants sprouting out of rocks and out of pieces of earth, whatever, but it would have been a totally different world. What would they be looking for? They'd be looking for security and God gives them security. Here's another interesting point. There was no rainbows before the flood because before the flood there was no rain. So this is a new sign, and it's rather interesting that when you read the book of Revelation in Revelation 4, verse 3, where uh, John in vision describes God's throne in heaven, guess what? Around the throne is a rainbow. That suggests to me that... um God has not forgotten his covenant with mankind. And even in heaven, it's an evidence to the angels and the unfallen universe of his um, His love for us. So I think all of those things taken together would have given um, Noah and his wife and his family security in knowing that God, who safely brought them through the flood, is going to continue to bless them, continue to guide them, And every time it rained and they saw this um, rainbow in the sky, in the clouds, they would have remembered God's promise and it would have given them that that real security that we are lacking today.
6: As light is split through a prism or perhaps even a piece of glass, I've seen it uh, light coming in at a certain direction through a window, it splits into its seven primary color or seven main colors. And um, I think this is rather wonderful because each time where light is split, it's an indication of God's promise. But God puts his promise, the sign of his promise in the sky. Now, how is light split through little round drops? Well, I don't really know. But God puts his promise or the sign of his promise, up in the sky for everybody to see. Mm. And that's like God's Good promises. though for everybody who will accept them. The promise of eternal life for those who accept it and the promise of eternal death for those who reject him.
0: Good point, Len. And just to continue on, uh, on this aspect, because you see today with the lots of signs, we can explain lots of things. I'm not sure if we are right on all those explanations, but what um, was pointing out to me what God was promising is this, that the rainbow was promised by God so many thousands years ago when the signs were not in the picture to prove that this is a result of the drops of the rain or things like that, because before the global flood, uh, because it was not rain, that was, that's why rainbow was not there. And people may just easily say, you see, because there was not rain, that was not rainbow, but because now it's rain, that's why we have the rainbow. But my point here is that God is the one who knows everything, and he foretold us That assurance, even if that's a combination of, you know, of the rain and the reflection, whatever is which science now can prove that thing. The lesson which I will take from here is that God knows beforehand what's good for us, what's going to happen. Are we going to pay attention for what God is saying to us? Not on this aspect only on which we are talking today, uh, remembering. Or do not forget, in principle, are we having an open ear for God's message to sink in our life and to experience the benefits which God prepared for us all?
2: Another aspect, um, something that struck me, is that I've never really met anyone who hasn't stopped at the appearance of a rainbow in the sky, stopped to admire it. um, we ourselves would have seen, you know, would have caught our eyes and um, we would have stopped there to admire it in its beauty, its ethereal nature and fragility, because very quickly it disappears and you wouldn't know that it was ever there. And then we we're busy, you know, we rush off onto our busy days and we forget about it. But what struck me also is that this was a perpetual, a perpetual reminder. And every time it rains, the rainbow appears, and I think it's it's kind of it's linked with God's blessing of the earth with rain. And without this, you know, I, I think it provides uh, it blesses the earth with rain, provided satisfaction to the thirsty. And there's a bit of a metaphor there too, because all the food and all the sustenance comes from God. God, as we've mentioned, does, didn't need the reminding, but um, this was a perpetual reminder for us. This is. You know, what God has done for our salvation and all those who look for him or look to him for safety and life throughout the ages. It's not something that was just for Old Testament times. We, too, stop to admire the rainbow. But do we often have time to think about what it means or do we just rush on with our busy day?
4: Yes, continuing on what you've just said, Joe, and Nick, the skeptics say that the rainbow is a natural scientific phenomenon. It's just, as Lena said, the refraction of light in a spray of water, even in the midst midst of a waterfall. Mm -hmm. So what's the big deal or a promise here? Likewise, uh, I think, as we've all commented, we could be surrounded by God-given evidences and signs today and miss the point if we're not careful to remember you know i confess it's like going out uh, at night and ignoring the immensity of the power of god displayed above us in the night sky i mean what better example of the creator power creative power of god is there above us every night and yet we do not even notice it now i did ask are we inclined to respond with thanks even today? Um, and I think you've partly answered this, Joe, when we see the rainbow in the sky. Might this even trigger gratitude for a host of other promises that God has made to mankind through Jesus and the written word in the context of salvation? I think it's important for us. Lydia, how, would you like to comment on that?
3: Yes. We always see the importance of the idea of remembering, like remembering God's promises, remembering God's warnings, remembering God's action in the world. And if we remember what the rainbow means, we can have the assurance written across the sky in these beautiful colors that God's word is sure. We too have been saved from the destruction. Last night I have been outside and I looked in the sky. It was a clear sky and it was full of stars and it looks so amazing. And I was thinking, wow, here, where we have lots of lights in the city, I can still see so many stars in the sky. And it was amazing. And I was thinking, Wow even if i would be somewhere in the desert where it's really dark i can see many 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 thousands and billions of stars and you know as i was looking in the sky i i felt uh, an awe oh, that how how amazing is god's creation and we can see only a limited amount of god's creation We cannot see everything what God created in the entire universe. How awesome is God?
5: I just think uh, looking at rainbows as we do, I know myself when we're out and it's any sort of a damp or wet day and a rainbow appears, the first thing that strikes me about it is its beauty. But then when I think about it, I'm always reminded of God. And I wonder... To a degree, has God also put the rainbow in the sky to remind us to remember, not to forget God.
4: So true. God's reminders of salvation, have you thought of it, panel and uh, listener? God's reminders of salvation appear in the seven colours of the rainbow, the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath, and the seventh month of the Jewish calendar, the Passover. All of these are signs of God's redemption. But God calls upon the people in Deuteronomy 4 to think of what the Lord has done for his people in the past. You know, privilege heap upon privilege for them as God's chosen people. God, through Moses, appeals to them to remember, never forget what great things he had done for them. And it's worth our while to review what Deuteronomy 4, verses 32 to 39, actually says. Joe, would you like to cover that for us?
2: In Deuteronomy 4, 32 to 39, it says, Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of the fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm? Or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. From heaven, he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth, he showed you great, his great fire and you heard his voice from out of the fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land to give it to you for an inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. Here Moses in very, very strong language points the people at that time in the congregation he was speaking to to look through, look back through all history now they wouldn't have had books written about it, but they would have had their oral traditions. There were stories that were told passed from one generation to another. And he says, look back, even to creation itself. Has anything ever been done in this, to this extent? You know, to study, call, calls them to study for themselves and see if it's ever happened before. Here Moses is asking some questions. And he wants them to realize for themselves what the Lord has done for them. You know, it's easy to take for granted. Um, those people standing in that congregation didn't know what it was like living in Egypt. They didn't see the the Red Sea crossing. They didn't see um, a lot of things that happened. And so it's easy for them to forget, to relegate the oral traditions that they had, you know, into turn them into fables and say, oh, yeah, they're... Fables from, you know, myths that our grandparents have told us. And so the question is, how grateful and thankful to him should we be as they should have been for the mighty acts in their lives and in our lives? And might I add also that nothing of this sort has been done since. You know, every nation has its, you know, nation-building, nation-shaping events, you know, um, but nothing to this extent that that, that God has worked so mightily that has removed slaves out of a, a mighty a superpower of the time and given them all that they had and established them as a prosperous nation. So, you know, it, 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 uh, the mind boggles, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely, Joe, you pointed out so well uh, there how God was revealing, even to the new generation, through Moses, obviously, what God has done for them. I would like to bring also a little bit of a different aspect here, which I believe it can be applied in our life today. You see, in front of them was Canaan, with a lot of blessings, but with a lot of challenges also. And because God knows what's ahead of us, God is reassuring us, if we know him, how he led us in the past to be confident that he will take care for us in the future with all the challenges which we will face. And uh, today, I believe, I believe we face great challenges ahead of us, great tribulation. And God is assuring us that he took care of us before and he will do it again. In Canaan, even though there was the promised land, There was a lot of things there which the Israelites had to deal with. And unfortunately, they failed on many aspects in Canaan there. They forgot what God told them. You know, you may heard that phrase, and I may not remember it fully, but it says that the greatest danger for us all is that we'll forget how God has led us in the past. That's the greatest danger for us. Today, we are not here just to give a historical lesson. We are here to put ourselves in the picture, to realize that we are facing today great challenges in the days to come. Are we prepared and confident and trusting God that he will take care of us in all aspects of life? May God bless us to understand that and to be confident.
1: Well, I'd like to go back to what Joe read in verse 39. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. I can think of another example in the Old Testament subsequent to this, but very, very necessary, I believe, today. If we were to turn to First Kings 18, verse 39, we all know the story of the showdown on Mount Carmel between um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and the apostate Israelites, when fire descended from heaven and consumed the offering, the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the water, even the earth, what did the people do? They all bowed and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Even though this is hundreds of years later, once again, I'm sure some of them at least must have remembered these words that we are now reading in Deuteronomy chapter 4. I think they would have recognised that Moses said back then that the Lord, he is God, and that they, as having strayed and apostatized from God, were now being brought back to him again. But it has an application, as we know, in Revelation 13, we believe that um, the times that we are living in that Nick alluded to, Uh, Revelation 13 tells us that there is going to come a time when fire will come from heaven to demonstrate who the true God is. But this time the fire, as it were, will fall on the wrong altar. It won't be the true God bringing the fire. It'll be a false fire on a false altar. And I think it's very important uh, that because Moses told them to stay true to the God of heaven, today it's even more important for us not to be misled for us to be able to discern between that which is true and that which is false. And the only way we can discern that is, I believe, in two ways. Number one, study the word of God as though it's the only thing that's important, and number two, ask for the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you so that you are amongst those who are not led astray. I think that's a very vital, important thing that I get out of this particular section that Joe read.
4: Thank you. Yes, Brendan. Of course, we all uh, would agree now, you've been saying that uh, we can draw lessons from what God did for ancient Israel and superimpose it onto onto the life or our modern life experience. And for us then today, uh, how does this early history model represent the plan of salvation as expressed in the New Testament? In other words, what did he do for us, us? And how are we to respond to what has been done for us, panel? I think, for example, uh, you're, you're, Brenton, I recall you saying once uh, on this program that you have read and reread chapters from the inspiration on the trial, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus. Yes. And so um, I'd like to ask you all, what must we do to avoid forgetting what God has done for us? What do we do?
5: How do we keep remembering? Well, I think there's some points here that can help us and guide us in this situation. And I think one of the first points, of course, is to read the Bible, Uh, not just to read it, but to really think about what you're reading and think about the words not only of the prophets, but also of Jesus, what he said, and form this connection with Jesus so that we have this grounding and understanding. And I also think a very important thing is along the line somewhere to make a decision in your heart to follow the Lord no matter what happens. I'm always reminded of the story of Daniel. He made a decision in his heart to do certain things, irrespective of what came upon us. And I think It's such an important thing today as you get to know more of God and the Bible to make a decision in your heart that no matter what comes, remember what God has done in the past. He will do the same in the future for all his people. We are always told how much God loves us an everlasting love that is it's not a human love. It's it's a phenomenal love that none of us can grasp. God has brought us this far. He wants to bring us all the way. The challenge is for us to stay with him, not for him to stay with us. Yes, true, Ken. Jo?
2: I think that if we, that that little sermonette that Moses gave was to the believers. It wasn't to the Egyptian. It wasn't to the African, to other nations, the Iraqis, the Sumerians. He spoke to his people and He's speaking to us today. And I think when we've been exposed to religion, to spiritual things, and have been a believer and a Christian all our lives, we can become somewhat immune to the wonder of all that God has done for us. Just like the Israelites, all of heaven has been poured out for mine and your salvation, and Jesus died that you and I might have an option to choose to live. Without that, we didn't have a choice to choose to live, to choose him and not be condemned to eternal death um, because we know that all have sinned and fallen short and stand guilty and condemned. So how do we respond? Lukewarm? Or do we, I would hope, say, yes, thank you, I want more. I want more from this life than just these brief moments of joy. I want more for my loved ones. I want more for the world. God has a better way, and that is to follow him. And when I say follow him, this has unfortunately become clichéd. It's more, it's, you know, I'm talking here about a relationship. God wants more from us than just, you know, he didn't criticize them about, you know, you weren't sacrificing right or, you know, the this and that. He, You know, basically his own, his criticism throughout the scripture has been that their relationship with him wasn't there. And so I'm just saying that perhaps when we've been Christians for a long time or very not that long, it's easy to s- slip into taking God for granted and um, forgetting. And so I guess Revelation 14, 12, it tells us, what does it tell us, that we have to keep the commandments of God, but we need more. We need more than just plain obedience. We need a relationship with God, and that's yes. the only thing. That's yep. what enables us to be. God's people
4: Absolutely true
6: Um, The question was What must we do To avoid forgetting What God has done for us And Jo used a word And she said We need to choose We need to choose To remember And how do you do that Well you have to make A conscious effort God has given us His word We need to read His word To be reminded Of what he did For others And then we can translate that for ourselves. What has God done for me? And I'm very grateful for what God has done for me and is doing for me right now. Yes. So there is an element of choice and there might be little triggers along the way that um, set that choice going. I've experienced being out in the bush and being quite busy and being involved, and it's very easy to forget that the creator of the bush where I was was, was my, my God, my Heavenly Father. And so we need to make choices day by day. We need to talk to God, to read his uh, Word, and uh, to think about him. I think the important thing here is the triggers that set that choice going putting it on the way.
3: This verb, remember, is used so many times in the Bible, in the fourth commandment and uh, in, in many, many, many places. And uh, is an appeal to remember, to remind us, to remind me our roots also. And uh, I, do, I do remember that after um, the Holy Spirit, came into my mind and remembered me about quite a few important things when God led me, where God protected me, where God saved me or saved my life or saved my life from an, an accident or things which probably I forgot. So um, the Holy Spirit comes into your mind and remem- remembers me and says, hey, have you seen God's hand in your life in this situation and in that situation and in that situation? And this is, it happened to me. And it was so wonderful because at that stage, probably I didn't realize that God was there and the the guardian angel was with me to guide me. So it happened, for example, when I crossed the border and after I stayed in into the United Nations camp. And I was released uh, on the hotel and from the hotel I received my pass, let's say my temporary pass to fly to Australia. So I entered into the um, airport and I've never flew a plane before. That was my first time. So I didn't know to go and to check to the information point or to go to the gate. And my my plane was boarding and I was sitting in a chair like other people waiting. Waiting for what? I don't know. And God intervened at that time. A young man passed by in front of me and looked straight away into my eyes. And he asked me, are you going to Australia? And I said, yes. And he said, come on, let's go. And he took me straight away to the gate and to the plane. At that stage, at that moment, I didn't realize, but the Holy Spirit brought me back now after so many years. And he said to me, do you remember this? When God brought you out of there into the land that promised you. It, it's wonderful.
4: That's a wonderful uh, testimony, Ledger. Perhaps one we should revisit one day. Brenton, you have a
1: comment? I think um, everyone's covered this reasonably well, um, Will. However, I would like to uh, just talk about the current situation. Personally, as a minister, I've had an extremely busy week this week and a, a very stressful one. It's interesting that when you're working with people, when you're working with committees and when you're working with um, the various things that are assigned to you as a minister, there are often times where you almost come <laughs> come against situations where you realise that you do not have the answers for um, what's ahead of you. Uh, God has truly blessed me this week and answered prayers uh, regarding a number of issues that I was uh, concerned about. The question, as um, Len quite rightly put it, is what should we learn and not to forget I think each time God answers our prayers, it should strengthen our faith because the next time in all probability when God answers your prayer, the issue may in fact be a stronger or deeper one than what you faced before. If God is going to train us into trusting him implicitly, I believe that as you stand one test, one trial, and you come through it, I believe that um, the next one, will possibly be more severe. It may even indicate, it may even seem more forbidding and more hopeless than the one that you've faced before. But if you've faced the one before and you've come through it by God's grace, it gives you the confidence to know as you look back over that one, the one before that and the one before that, it gives you the confidence to know that whatever lies before you, God didn't abandon you on that occasion or the one before it or the one before that, and he won't abandon you now. So in the forgetting and remembering, I think it's important to to realise that whatever lies before us, however deep, as Nick mentioned earlier on, the issues that we're dealing with, I believe that if we trust God based on what he has done in the past, um, we have total confidence that he will bring us safely through. But it involves handing the problem over to him and saying, Lord, I can't do it. I don't know what the answer is, but I believe you do have the answers. And I'm waiting on you now to show me your will and your way in this matter.
0: As you pointed out, and uh, Joe, I want to come back to what she said a bit earlier, that God was talking to his people, in, in this case, Israel. And I want to bring a point from there also that among Israel, there are many others who are not necessarily part of Israel, but through Israel, which God did all those miracles and God looked after them 400 and over years in, in Egypt and how God delivered them from Egypt and all those things, Israel knew in their history, but among them, There are other people from other nations also, and also the generation, as uh, Joe pointed out, at this stage just before uh, entering Canaan, there are maybe only, as the Bible says, only two people who were in Egypt, you know, um, Joshua and Caleb. But what I want to say here is that for us today, Christians, children of God, who we have experiences with God, are we responsible to show and to live out our faith in front of other people who are among us, who may not experience God and not have that relationship with God, but are we, as the phrase puts it, like a spectacle for the whole uh, world? Are we those ones... We really know what God did for us and how God led us and is leading us. Are we showing that? Because this is the thing. We can talk on this broadcast about um, certain things, about certain people, but we want to put ourselves in the picture. And if there's somebody out there listening right now, and they may say, I don't know God. I don't have an experience with God you're talking about. That's why we are sharing with you all those things which happen even in our life and in the past, because we want us all to have a relationship with God and to get to know God personally. And the best way to get to know God is also to pick up the wonderful book, you know, the Bible, his love letter to us all and understand him and then look around in the life of those people who were or are led amazingly by God. I think this is a very practical point for us to consider. It's wise counsel to us all,
6: Nick. What are six nines? Uh,
1: 54 when I went to school in 54? How did you know that? The teacher told me. <laughs> Remembering, Lynn, remem- uh, remember.
6: Ah, now.
1: Remembering.
6: You went through your multiplication tables Tables. many times and you made your mistakes, Mm -hmm. but you have to practice, practice, practice remembering. Mm -hmm. And this question is about remembering and not forgetting. We have to practice remembering, and we've talked about some of those things earlier. Yes. We don't just, with anything, There might be uh, an ID number or something like that. Do you remember your driver's license number? Do you remember other numbers? You have to practice it. And I think with this thing with remembering and not forgetting, we have to make deliberate choices to practice remembering. Remembering what God has done has been well pointed out by several speakers today.
2: I think it's more than just remembering, Len. I think it's important. I don't know when I went to school, we actually counted nine groups of, what was the, what was the sum? What was the multiplication? Nine by four?
1: Six,
2: well, nine, I'm, nine, six, fifty four. <laughs> we, had, we, it wasn't enough just for us to remember. We actually had to count out. Um, the little groups of nine, and then count them all individually to prove to ourselves that it indeed was 54. And so I think it also has some uh, spiritual ramifications for us that we need to taste and see that the Lord is good. We need to know for ourselves and not just rely on other people's experiences. Yes, fair enough.
4: Let me make quick reference again to the covenant of God with a rainbow we We forget uh, that the promise to Noah actually included one other promise in genesis eight twenty two it says as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. seed time and harvest will not cease wow what what a um, what a promise. It's a lovely assurance. It seems to look a lot different to us today. The fact is, I think, except for the greed of mankind, the earth has the ability to provide food for all. But there is danger that the inhabitants of the earth could become so immersed in prosperity and the comforts of life that they never give thought to the great provider of blessings. They forget. They forget the God that they should serve. And on this very point, God speaks to them clearly in Deuteronomy 8, verses 10 to 19. Brenton, could you address this for us?
1: Yes, certainly. I'll, I'll read it quickly because of time. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God in the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is this day. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. A couple of things here, Will, that I think are important to remember. Most of us would agree with the principle of what is being stated here, that there is always a danger when we become prosperous of forgetting God. I don't think too many people would disagree on that. In fact, you find a complementary text on that in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. It's known as the parable of the rich fool, and it's all about a person who has full barns, and his crops are so great this year that he's saying to himself, what am I going to do? I think what I better do is pull down the barns I've already got and build even bigger ones. And Christ said um, in addressing this issue, he said a man's life does not consist in the things that he possesses. Now, the parable of the rich fool teaches us one thing, that we, if we are not wise towards God, anything can happen. And also because of the. The suddenness of life, the end of that parable states uh, that God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Now, who will get the things that you have set aside? I believe that there is a danger in wealth. Wealth can be used wisely. Let's not get into, which we often do, uh, comment on rich people and um, all the rest of it. A lot of what has happened in society would not have been possible had there not been people in society who were rich and had the money and resources to be able to do things. But I believe riches can be misleading. They can give you... um, They don't allow you to see life from a proper perspective. Now, verse 19, I found particularly interesting. If you ever forget the Lord your God. The Hebrew is, if forgetting... Thou shalt forget. And it comes from the same terminology as something that we studied a couple of weeks ago, where God said to Adam, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, thou shalt surely die. And just before that, he said, you may eat of every tree of the garden. The terminology used in verse 19 is exactly the same in, as in, exec, in Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. The, the key point, I believe, in all of this, I've had the privilege of knowing some rich people, and I remember when I went to Russia, I uh, met a guy there who was rich, and believe you me, the number of church members in Russia that were rich, you could count on the fingers of less than one hand. But he, according to the minister, had been an absolute blessing with the riches that he had been given in helping his church, fellow church members, in um, giving them money, in helping them in various ways. So I think what Moses is simply saying is, I can predict in advance that what's going to happen to you, you will become wealthy and you will be tempted to forget the Lord. Now, please don't do that. Um, please remember that the only reason you are rich is because of the abilities that, that God has given you. So what riches can do is turn the attention onto your creative ability rather than giving the glory to the one who gave you the creative ability in the first place.
2: Brenton, that was uh, very insightful. But I like to like also something that stood out for me was Verse 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them. And I've just thought to myself, now what would that be in this modern age? And the forgetting, as you've mentioned, the forgetting is a symptom of a gap in the relationship with God. And when we forget God, we are more likely to fall into self-worship. And these days, arguably, we don't. We don't worship idols as such, and we don't have shrines in our homes as Christians, but we have other idols. And some may say that materialism is a form of idolatry. And so we have taken the focus away from the giver, and then we are worshipping the gifts. Yes. And so I think that that's what stood out for me there, was that sometimes when we take our eyes off who, you know, who the God is here, that we can actually fall down and sure. um, disappoint him and ourselves.
1: Agreed, yes. Joe.
4: Of supreme importance for every Christian today, as it was for those in the wilderness, uh, is forgetting where we were without God. We too were slaves. It's a good to remind ourselves of our seemingly helpless plight. We too. Uh, are bound by Satan in wearisome bondage in sin as well. Uh, Ken, could you comment on this and the release that we might receive in the Lord?
5: Certainly. In Deuteronomy uh, 24 and verse 18, we're told, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. Now, Some listeners hearing this may think, well, hang on a minute. We're talking about things that happened in the Old Testament, and surely does this really apply to us today? But we have to remember that all of us are born in sin, and we too have to remember that through the grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, We can lose that sin. That sin will be taken away from us as soon as we turn to Jesus. So again, we have to remember. As we have seen all through the Old Testament, the Lord constantly brought the minds of the people back to the Exodus, the miraculous deliverance by God from Egypt. To this day, thousands of years later, practicing Jews keep the Passover celebration, a memorial to what the Lord has done for them. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service, and it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, and delivered our households, so the church today, the Passover is a symbol of the deliverance we have been offered in Christ, for indeed, Christ is our Passover, was sacrificed for us, and we should remember when we read Ephesians two and eight to thirteen that we today are saved through grace by the faith of Jesus, and that is a gift from God.
4: Thank you, yes, Ken. We have been brought out of a terrible bondage to a wonderful freedom and a redemption in Christ, haven't we? You know, when we look back over the history of the Israelites right through the Old Testament and through the New Testament, well, whichever age we look at in this world's history, whether it's the Jews in the wilderness, the Christians in Ephesus or modern day Christians anywhere in the world today, It's crucial for us to always remember, never daring to forget what Christ, what God has done for us in Christ. It's as it were, we were like brands plucked from the burning through the intervention of our Lord. We've been freed, freed from darkness to light, uh, from death to life, from wickedness to righteousness. No wonder then that we have these inspired words. It would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. As we thus dwell upon or remember his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more constant. Our love will be quickened and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, Nick, panel, and listener, I'd like to end with the words, uh, inspired words by the hymn writer Charles Wesley, where he talks of the Christian experience and the wonderful release that he receives, that we receive. He writes, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed Thee. It's a, it's a wonderful redemption to remember at all times of what God has done for us. And I wonder if you could include that in in your closing prayer for us today, Joe.
2: Father. We thank you for your word and the promises that Will has read out to us yes. and your unfathomable love for us. You have made it possible for all to be saved if they should choose to. If they and we choose you to choose life, we easily forget your goodness, forget the infinite sacrifice made for us. We dilly-dally and shilly-shelly and become distracted by the gifts and not see you, the giver. Time is short. Help us to take hold of your hand, held out to us today and never, ever let go. Help us also to reach out to others so that they too may find a life-giving hope in you. Mm In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, everyone, for uh, your participation today here on the panel. We really looked into this aspect of remember, do not forget, And it's important to realize that when we talk about remember, we cannot say remember yesterday. We cannot say remember tomorrow. This is present truth. We are studying the book of Deuteronomy, which is called the present truth in the book of Deuteronomy. I really invite you, listener, to join us again for the last three Bible studies, which I believe you'll be blessed uh, of them, because we are going to learn a little bit more uh, Deuteronomy in the later writings, but also the next one is Deuteronomy in the New Testament. We are not talking here only about the Old Testament, but to see the present truth from the book of Deuteronomy. And the last one, I believe it's a very exciting one, I'm looking forward for that, the resurrection of Moses. Please join us, each one of these programs Uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks. I know uh, the festive season is uh, approaching and uh, you may have plans, but don't miss out on these last three programs because you will be blessed. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Um, And uh, I will pray to God that you will be encouraged, blessed, and have a wonderful walk with our Lord Jesus Christ.